0: I'm Vanessa Cirillo and this is Valley Voices Radio from New England Public Media, bringing you true, personal, sometimes embarrassing stories from your friends and neighbors. These recordings were made at our Story Slam events from the series we produce with the Academy of Music. Our theme today is family drama. Everyone's got it. In fact, it's hard to pick just one story sometimes. In my family, the best story is so complicated that every time I tell it, I need to diagram it out so no one gets the wrong idea. Not so good on radio. So let's hear from Matthew Dix. His is slightly more suited for the medium. He manages to paint a very clear picture of a very awkward situation. And if you have little ones in the room, you might want to find something different to listen to until we wrap it up at
1: 12.30. We're married two years when my wife and I decided to Start making babies honestly alicia decides it's time to start making babies and i decide that i want to stay married to my wife so i go along with the prospect it's not that i don't want to have kids i want to have kids eventually i just didn't think eventually would sneak up on me so quickly and so we're in the doctor's office and we're talking about genetic testing alicia's jewish so she has to be tested for tay sachs and i have to be tested for muscular dystrophy it runs in my family not the childhood version of the disease, but a rare adult onset version of the disease. That's really terrible. It kills my grandmother and my aunt and my mother. We don't want to pass it on to the kids. Now, I don't have the, the gene in me. I know I don't because I'm asymptomatic. There's no signs of it. And it's on my mother's side, the Mandevilles. And I am my father's son. I am all dicks, which usually is not a nice thing to say to someone. But in this case, it's very good for me. But i agree to get tested anyway i assume it's a blood test and the doctor says no i need a semen sample and i assume she's going to send us home for a amusing night in bed with a plastic cup but she says no you need to go to a semen collection facility and those three words like put fear in my heart and it's justified because when i pull into the semen collection facility a few days later it's an old elementary school converted into a medical building. It still has the playscape on the end. And the last thing any human being should ever have to do is to walk into an elementary school to masturbate, particularly when they're an elementary school teacher, which I am. And so I go into the elementary school to masturbate, and I meet a nurse at the counter. She leads me down this hallway. It's about 12 feet long before we reach a door. It's 12 feet long. I am going to masturbate 12 feet from four nurses and two doctors and a room full of patients. I feel like the hallway should be 112 feet long end at an elevator that brings me to some sub-basement and I get to go to some hole where no one will know what I'm doing. But it's this, 12 feet. She pushes the door open. I can't believe the room. It's entirely pink. The carpet, the walls, the sofa... The sofa is wrapped in the plastic that your grandmother wrapped sofas in, which I find both relieving and disconcerting. She hands me a cup, and she says, no matter what you do, do not let your penis touch this cup, as if the stakes weren't high enough already for me. She says, do you have any questions? And I do, I have one. I want to say, how long will it be before I'm in here so long that it gets awkward for the two of us when we come back together. Because this is going to be hard. I feel like masturbation is a, like a home field situation and this is not my home field. But I can't ask that question because I am me, sadly. And so I go into this vagina colored room and I'm in there a really long time. And suffice it to say, the plastic around the sofa is both uncomfortable and loud and does not help in any way. But I do the job and I leave, and three days later I'm standing at my classroom door waving goodbye to my fifth graders when my phone rings and it's the doctor. And she says, listen, the test was positive. And I think she means positive in a good way. And so I tell her that and she says, no, it's not positive in a good way, you have the gene. And then I assume I misunderstand the disease, that maybe it's a recessive gene, that it skips me but could go on to our children. And she tells me, no, you're going to get that disease someday. And then she says, you need to sit down so I can talk to you and I can barely stand up. And when we're done talking, I'm sitting at my desk in my classroom And I am imagining this future that I have always imagined for myself, these hopes and dreams that I have had. And now there is the shadow just thrown over them, that I have this bomb in my body that I've had since the day I was born, the day I was conceived. And I'm just waiting for the day that it will go off. And I live with that shadow for a long, long time. And then one day a miracle happens we have that baby, Clara. And the nurse hands me that baby in that operating room and I look at Clara for the first time and our eyes meet. And we have this moment that I never want to end. And when that one is done, we have another one right after that and another one. And now I have Charlie two years later and I've got these two kids and every day is filled with thousands of moments. And I'm not fooling myself, I know that bomb is in me and it's gonna go off someday, but what I know now is that even though eventually, someday, something's going to happen to me, I have a hundred million moments between me and that day and hopefully that will be enough. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Matthew Dix is a record 56-time Moth Story Slam champion. His stories have been featured on the Moth Radio Hour and their podcast. He's also the co-founder and artistic director of Speak Up, a Hartford-based storytelling organization that produces shows in New England. Matthew's part of our Facebook group, too. He posts about Speak Up shows and workshops. You can find it by searching Valley Storytelling Community on Facebook. It's a party, I'm telling you. This is Valley Voices Radio from New England Public Media. I'm Vanessa Cirillo. Next up, Hillary Price with a story about her dad.
2: It's this past June. I'm just home from the hospital after knee surgery. My parents have come to help out. I'm in a medicated sleep. Suddenly... Ham, lamb, or steak... What? What? Dad leans in as if I'm hard of hearing. Do you like ham uh, at, at, at Christmas? Do you like lamb? I, I, I got it at a restaurant once. What about steak? Dad, why are you asking me about meat? Because. If I need to cook you something, I want to know what to make. I enjoy my father most when there are witnesses. (laughs) A guy I know once said, the solution to pollution is dilution. He was talking about hot tubs, but he cracked the code on family. Fast-forward a couple months, I'm finally off crutches, and I ask my dad to go motorboating out on the Connecticut River. I also ask my friend, Marin, she's my dilution solution. She's great with parents and had lost her own dad about five years ago. So the night before the outing, dad comes, and after we go to bed, I hear him yell up the stairs, Do you like bacon? And I'm like, I know where this is going. (laughs) Eggs, I call down. Scrambled. The next morning, as he hands me the eggs, he goes, Do you like pancakes? And I go, Dad, I'm not big into pancakes. I can make you small pancakes. (laughs) I am not going to have this conversation. So I redirect. You know, Dad, I just went out and tried corned beef hash the other day. He's pleased. (laughs) After breakfast, we head over to the marina. Our time out on the river is glorious. Marin does the perfect job as the parent whisperer. I say, Dad, check out the egrets fishing on the shore, and then wait for the joke I know is coming. Egrets? I've had a few. <laughs> As we get back to the marina, the sun is setting and the wind's picked up. I drop Dad and Marin off at the shore. Dad backs the car and the trailer down the steep ramp until the trailer's submerged in the water. It's my job to drive the boat onto the submerged trailer. The first time, I go in too slow, and the wind takes me, and I miss the trailer. Go in the second time, same thing. The third time, I go in faster.
3: Slow
2: down! I cut the engine. Our eyes lock as I float past him one more time. (laughs) This is not the first time we've had vehicular issues. (laughs) I flash back to age 16. Dad's taking me on a driving lesson. We're in a VW bug with a stick shift on a steep hill that flows out to a busy road. I need to let go of the clutch and put on the gas in such a way that I don't stall us and I don't hurl us into traffic. Gas. Clutch. Gas clutch Hillary what you're doing is like masturbating it's never gonna get you anywhere (laughs) I didn't know at the time that my one sex talk would be coupled with my one driving lesson (laughs) I look over at the shore oh my god my 81-year-old dad is, has taken off his pants. He's wading into the water, arms raised like Moses, in his button-down shirt and tidy whities <laughs> Bring it in! I'll catch it! <laughs> I am laughing so hard I can barely breathe. Marn is frozen on the shore. There's a guy 20 yards from us who looks over, takes in the scene, runs over, and joins my dad in the water. I collect myself and drive the boat in. Success. Relief. Later, Marin tells me she hadn't been frozen on the shore in shock. She'd been crying. He loves you so much, she said. I know, I said. (laughs) The next time I'm at my parents' house, my mom hands me a small red can. Your father got you this at the grocery store. It's corned beef hash. <laughs> a meat valentine. <laughs> Do you like it? She asks. No, I say. And yes.
0: That was Hillary Price. She says her dad continues to be both confounding and loving, and the only way to handle it is to share these kinds of stories. Hillary is the creator of the award-winning comic strip Rhymes with Orange. She loves storytelling and stand-up. She teaches at the Center for Cartoon Studies in Vermont. Our last storyteller is Tasha Jones with a spoken word performance called He Caught Me Getting High.
3: He caught me getting high. Didn't know what I was doing, just saw tears streaming from my eyes. Thought maybe it was something that he had done. Sit right next to my left leg, rubbed my back and assured me everything was okay. Wondered if I was crying because I caught a call from his teacher or if it was because he had a red day. Didn't know that the last five years had more downs and ups. And everything that was tried just didn't seem to be enough. See, mama's dreams were a bit robust. But the fire that once burned within was now starting to lose its thrust. Piddling positions, inadequate by measure. College degrees had no meaning when there was no heat. To warm the shelter. Water pots ensured evening baths were hot, but cold water washes couldn't get everything clean. So restrictions had to be put on clothes worn. Oh, why the play children asked, my son, didn't you have that on yesterday? And I said, it was only for an hour, now go on outside if you really wanna play. But ain't it funny how things change? See, when I was a child, I promised I would never be the same. I would be more than what my parents showed me, not saying my life was foul, but I grew up knowing how it felt to go without. See, every day was a struggle, and sometimes we went to bed with no food to eat. But the dark night showed us when the ends didn't meet. Insurance was always the first to go. But New Year's resolution secured doctor and dental appointments, and we had to go. Car and phone stayed paid, even off work they were laid, because we were the Joneses. So if we were starving, you would never know. But not my children. I had plans. I was going to be married before I bore. Me, my husband, and two children would live like the Huxtables. Instead, I'll be the writer, and he'd be the doctor, and our children would have a different world. I, freeing my being, could play his nurse, and he would birth our son and little girl. But ain't it funny? Ain't it funny how things change? He met me while I was on this stage, yet being an artist was the equivalent to being unemployed. Unstable is what he called it. Childhood dreams taken a bit too far now since we have children, cars, picket fence, front and backyard. He said, quit. I said I thought I wasn't employed. He said, be a mother, as if that was a duty I had ignored. But there it was on the table. Your family or your artistry, choose. Never perplexed about what I had to do, but why should I have to bow down to a fool? Slavery versus freedom, giving versus receiving for the sake of the children. And he thought this be an ultimatum I could not refuse. So I leaned into the of Isabella Balmfrey and told her she wrote this poem for me before I looked him square in the eye and said, ain't I a woman? Then being a mother is something I'm going to always be, be it to you, this earth, all my children. I came here to birth water and nourish the seed. so if you think I'm going to leave or close the curtain because you feeling like a shadow, then maybe it's your stability that should be questioned in this court battle. But ain't it funny how things change? I never considered myself a user or an abuser. Lived that struggle while it ran its course through my daddy's line. Like an addict, one hit was never enough and getting another one was always on my mind. Every chance on that line, stolen moments of enjoyment, entertaining and repugnant, but I had to write. Those dead trees injected life into my night, and every night it just eased my state of mind. Langston warned me about those dreams deferred, but never did I think people would hate on the pedagogy of words. So I'm in dark places, moonlighting just to formulate subjects and verbs, hiding dotted I's, crossing T's when he left I, cause his nouns have been my independent clauses because his nouns have been attacking my independent clauses. And I'm fighting for my children as a litigant. Respondent, state your name and occupation. Yes, I am Tasha Jones. I'm a literary addict fighting to keep my children while creating an environment with no casualties or fatalities. I just want to be an intellectual property studied in textbooks, laureate of poetry, speaking at your seminars, donating millions to young scholars, brave new voices, guests speaking at your conferences and your churches, sitting in those big yellow chairs between the president and Oprah. Try this for your headline news. Seven year old boy tells counselor at school, my mama gets high off of poetry. It makes her giddy. We are not struggling for literature, but we may be a little math needy. She takes us to coffee houses and theater shows. We've already met the last poets and seen August Wilson's lessons in pianos. My sister, she likes vibrato and, and I like prose. And sometimes we leave early so daddy won't bloody her nose. And sometimes they argue about why she won't let it go and she say those are just letters and words. She says she gotta hold on to teach us how to dream. My daddy say she addicted, but she just mommy the we. And he caught me getting high. Thank you.
0: That's our show for you today. Thanks for being with us. Next week, our storytellers are crossing borders, crashing weddings, getting even, and getting busted. You don't want to miss it. Valley Voices Story Slam is produced by New England Public Media and the Academy of Music. This show is produced by Katie Wright. The Buddy McGurns Band does our theme, love disease. Find out more about Valley Voices, get the podcast, and watch video shorts from our show. In fact, definitely go and watch Tasha Jones perform that piece. Like right now, just go do it at nepm.org valleyvoices I'm Vanessa Cirillo. Join me right here next Saturday for more local stories on Valley Voices Radio.